Hello, this is Katie Sloan. And I'm Dina DiCastro. Welcome to Let's Get Real Astrology, making the connection between astrology and real life. We aim to bridge the gap between astrological theory and how to use the wisdom of the planets in our daily lives. We'll share personal stories that bring concepts down to earth. We'll provide you with strategies for working with challenging astrological energies. And we will always focus upon how to use astrology to empower rather than to predict. If you want to understand how astrology can be used to make your life better, listen in. Hello, everyone. We are back. People have been asking us questions about what they can do to understand their charts better if you're just a beginner. So Dita and I t- were talking about maybe the top five things that you could learn about your chart to help you understand a little bit better. But one thing I want to bring up is in exciting news, Dina has completed her workbook and it is now on sale for you all to buy. Speaking of ways you could learn astrology. Yeah. So it's called Foundations of Astrology, a workbook for beginners. And so it's really for true beginners who want to begin to understand how to read a natal chart. Um, there's, you know, there's one level of understanding astrology, which is, you know, about the sun signs, right? You can tell me what is Aries about, what's Taurus about, etc. And you might even know <clears throat> what the planets represent. You know, Venus is about relationship. Uh, the sun is about your ego identity, etc. You may know all that, but then the tricky part <laughs> is then looking at a natal chart with all the astrology glyphs and the lines and the degrees and the numbers and figuring out what the heck does that mean? And so that's what the workbook will help you to do. It takes you from beginning to end the steps to begin interpreting a natal chart so that you can look at it, see the glyphs, know what they mean, and also then start writing your own interpretations. And so I recommend this for anybody who's passionate about astrology, who you may know all the zodiac signs and even the planets, but you have yet to be able to look at a chart and figure out how to how to read it. Um, and you can do this uh, with your own chart. You can use it for friends and family charts or any other charts that you're interested in looking at. And you can use the exercises over and over again to help you practice. So that's my workbook. Exciting. It's a, yes, it's available on Amazon. Just type in my name, Dina DeCastro, and that's what will come up. Or uh, Foundations of Astrology, a workbook for beginners. And I'll put the link in the show notes as well. We're so proud of you. Thank you so much. Uh, I am personally. I'm proud of myself. Because I know this is a long time coming. So yeah, it it's, it's not- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it took a while. It took a while in terms of not just the writing from beginning to end, but that I've been working on these materials with students for like 10 years. So um, I'm really proud to have it out there. Yeah. So buy it, buy it, buy it. Everybody buy it. it. Yes. Yeah. Especially after you listen to this episode, because 
it will help you. Absolutely. I think this could be, if you don't already know how to read a natal chart, that's what the workbook can help you to do so that you can even approach something like this episode and have have these um, these bits of knowledge at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, this, this episode, we're talking about the top five things that beginners can do to understand their chart for astrology beginners. And of course, we start with the sun sign, but I want to go a little deeper than just you know, knowing your sun sign. There's a couple of things to think about. Um, one is that I think that often the sun, the, your sun sign gets conflated to mean that this is all of who you are. And that's where we start putting people in a box and saying, okay, you're a cancer. You're like this. You're a Leo. You're like this. And in many episodes, mm-hmm. you know, over the past whole time we've been doing this podcast, we we push back against that idea that we're not just the sun sign. And we also don't want to just put ourselves or anyone else in a, in a box. But uh, what the sun sign can help you to do is to, it helps you to know what energizes you. And it helps you to know, um, you know, what part of yourself is more likely to take the lead on big life decisions and goals and basic needs. Um, It's also how you think of yourself, like your self-perception. So Katie, how do you think like the sun sign is helpful in terms of really understanding yourself better? Well, I do feel like I have a lot of people who say to me, I really don't feel like a Scorpio. Mm -hmm. I really don't feel like Aquarius, you know, those types of things. And yeah. And I could say in some ways that even I feel a little bit like that, you know, Mm -hmm. but I do know for myself being a Scorpio person, the things that energize me are transformation. That is a a biggie for me. And, um, I also know that I keep a lot of secrets, including secrets about myself that people are sometimes surprised about later. Like, Mm-hmm. Why didn't I ever know that? Yeah. Um, so I do see the sun sign. The sun sign is important. Um, is an important piece of. I always think when you're standing in your power, or when you're standing in your light, this is your sun sign, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just answer the question. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> you did. I liked it. Yeah, I think that's great. And and I do hear people say that a lot as well, especially here's the number one sign that tells me they don't feel like their sign. Can you guess who it is? Which sign? Leo. Yep, you got it. That's yeah. number one because the Isn't descriptions. That that's It is funny. I mean, because the descriptions of Leo out there in pop astrology world do not fit most actual Leo's self-perception. Mm-hmm. They don't, they aren't the party animal and the seeker of attention and all that. Like th- that's hardly like 2% of all the Leos I know are like that, you know? And I've known a lot of Leos, like I love Leos. So I just, yeah, that's a one of those misconception things where they don't line up with, with how they're seen um, the kind of the pop astrology poison of the sign, right? Um, yep. But so what's important to understand about your sun sign, whatever it is, 
is that it's a part of you. It is a large part, you know, in that it will, it's the part of you that will often take that, take the lead on things that you need to do in your life and make big decisions on. So for example, for you, Katie, like the scorpionic part of yourself is going to take the wheel on a lot of things where you need to make big decisions, right? It's like, well, Mm -hmm. I need to pay attention to what my Scorpio self needs. Mm -hmm. And same with me with being a Cancer is that Cancerian part of myself uh, will take the steering wheel of life, you know, a lot of times. It doesn't mean it's the only thing in me and thus we have inner conflict that we're always trying to work out, you know, all these different parts of ourselves. But what can be helpful is to look at the sun sign in relation to the other pieces that we're going to talk about next, the moon sign and the rising sign, and to see how those all fit together and modify each other. Because your sun Mm -hmm. sign is then modified by your moon sign and your rising sign. So do you want to talk a little bit about the moon uh, and what it means for you, your, your natal moon sign? So the moon sign, well, one thing is when you're looking at your chart, it's important to know your birth time. Yep. Um, always. It, it, it's really helpful because it aligns your chart. It also puts the planets in the right houses. The moon can um, change signs in a day. So it's um, like even today, as we do this podcast today, the moon's in Gemini and tonight the moon will move into Cancer. Mm -hmm. So um, my moon sign is uh, Virgo and the moon represents your feeling nature. And I, I definitely do, as we've talked about in many episodes, relate to Virgo majorly. So, um, in fact, there's, I like saying that I'm a Scorpio cause, um, it's a cool sign, but (laughs) (laughs) I feel very Virgo, which is also cool and, uh, not so cool sometimes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah. So, you know, I mean, to me, the, the moon, represents our inner nature, our feelings and, and that sort of thing. And, um, the things that soothe you when you're stressed, uh, like cleaning your house, it's my right. thing. um, mm-hmm. <laughs> keeping things, keeping order, keeping the, the chaos in order for me. Um, like doing rituals is important to me. So I think, I also think like when I think about you too, like I realize that you're a cancer, but I also see so many Taurus qualities in you. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like I I can feel your Taurus moon. Oh, totally. I was thinking that as I was, was brainstorming this episode that for me, my moon is way more prominent to me than my sun, you know, and this could be, if you know your chart a little bit, like how prominent is that planet for you? You know, how would like, is it making a lot of aspects or, you know, is it showing up in a important place in the chart? For me, my moon just seems more prominent in a lot of ways and is the part of me that I feel more strongly than the Mm -hmm. cancer sun for sure. Yeah. And I think people would agree that who know me 
you know, that the Taurus part seems a lot more obvious than the Cancerian part. Yeah. And I mean, as a way of um, helping myself and caring for myself, that Taurus moon is huge. Like knowing the Taurus things I need to do to take care of myself, because that's what the moon is about in your chart on one level is how you take care of yourself and nurture yourself. Um, That's been huge for me, like really leaning into Taurus things, which is basically like when you're hungry, remember to eat something. When you're tired, take a nap. Uh, When, (laughs) you know, taking care of the body on a really simple level. Like that's what nourishes me. And I think that's another keyword we could use for the moon is, is nourishment. Like, but on a soul yep. level, you know, what's nourishing to you. Yeah. I don't have any aspects to my moon. You do, right? Mm-hmm. You've got, you've got, uh, Saturn. Attached yeah. To moon? Really sure? just, really just moon conjunct Saturn. Um, mm-hmm. so it's not even that highly aspected, but for some reason just like pops, you know, that moon in yeah. Taurus. Um, and, and my, the, I have yeah. a fourth house moon, so my moon's pretty big. It's not aspecting yeah. anything, but it's it feels like um, an important part for me. And definitely I feel like home, like mm-hmm. having my home be a reflection. It's sort of like a reflection of me or having my home always be cozy or making home wherever I go. You know, that's like a biggie to me. Right. That's the way I soothe myself. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And there's, um, you know, there's an aspect of the moon too, that's about, um, what do you value in terms of long-term relationships, not necessarily romantic, but like family, friends, those kind of relationships that you have for a long time. And so those can have kind of the flavor of your, your moon sign, uh, or mm-hmm. that you value those qualities of the moon sign in those relationships. It's important to you. So yeah, for me, it's like keeping things simple, um, people that I can really be relaxed around and feel myself around and kind of let my hair down that those are Taurus kind of qualities, right? Being unpretentious Mm -hmm. and just, you know, barefoot on the floor or whatever, you know, (laughs) yeah, just that image of like not caring so much about pretenses. That's really important for me to feel in my friendships and my long relationships. Yeah. I think mine is definitely like friends are that feel like family. Yeah. You know, and also friends, my closest friends are people who I can be vulnerable with and know that that's safe, Mm -hmm. you know? Yep. For sure. Right. I also value like hardworking people. Yeah. like I think that that's that Virgo quality is like people who are who work hard um on themselves yes. and mm-hmm. um to develop healthy ritual sort of things. I I think that's a big one for me. Yep. Yep, and that's a very Virgo kind of idea. Mhm. So once you know those two pieces, the sun sign and the moon sign, you you already start to get a sense that there's a lot of nuance beyond the sun sign, right? That you have to look at the sun sign in combination with your moon sign to then get a deeper picture of who you are. 
and then add in the rising sign. So the rising sign, this really requires, knowing your rising sign means that you have to know what your birth time is because there's no way to be certain of that unless you really do know your birth time. Um, and so that's, that's important to remember. But if you do have that information, the ascendant can be really valuable. Ascendant, also known as rising sign, because it reveals kind of the differences between you and other people with your sun sign. So it's that next layer of individuality. You know, you have the sun, then you add in the moon, then you add in the rising sign. And I think those three pieces are really important. So the rising sign is about the energy that you come forward with into the world and how other people see you from the outside. It's kind of their first impression of you. And it's also your external behavior, but not necessarily how you feel inside, which your inner world is more to do with your moon and even your core essence, your sun. But your external behavior is more uh, expressed uh, in the rising sign. And, you know, the question I always say, like, who are you at a party? You're going to behave more like your rising sign, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The types of situations that you often attract to your life so that you can play out the rest of your chart are also of the nature of that rising sign. So, for example, um, you and I are both Gemini rising and we did a whole episode about this, by the way, and I'll put this in the show notes. We did an entire episode on the rising sign. Um, we talked about our Gemini risings a lot in that episode, but how I know that if I go to a party, I could tend to like be more intellectual and ask a lot of questions and be very much on the mental level with people. But that's also, that's not all of who I am. And also it doesn't exactly nourish me in a long-term way to be at that level, right? To be at that kind of chatty intellectual level. It's fun, but it's it's not all of who I am. But it's important to know that that may be how other people see me from the outside, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that my rising sign helps me win friends. Yeah. <laughs> In a bigger way than yep. <laughs> my moon or my sun sign would. I so. think Gemini, uh, like Gemini and Libra risings both could be pretty popular in terms of attracting people because, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a Gemini rising like you and I, you, you know how to ask good questions. You're curious. You're a good conversationalist for the most part, you know, and so that can be helpful kind of smoothing the social stuff. But I, yeah. yeah, it's not where I like to live. And actually, mm-hmm. you know, with my Taurus moon, I like a lot of quiet. So this is, you know, where you can look in your own chart. Um, what becomes fun and interesting <laughs> is to see how different are your moon sign, for example, and your rising sign, or how different are your sun sign and your rising sign and where might that be causing certain tensions for you or inner Mm -hmm. conflicts, right? Because I can definitely give people the impression that I'm really super social and I'm not, um, like I'm not, (laughs) I'm I'm an extreme (laughs) introvert, bittersweet person, 
likes to be alone a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, and I love to, I love conversations, but I like them to be short, like Mm -hmm. under two hours, you know, (laughs) we've talked Mm -hmm. about this, right? So with the Gemini rising though, like that, there's that outer impression thing that people might get the idea that I'm just always like that, or I'm always really chatty and on. But if people have known me for a while, they know this is not the case. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I feel like I've talked about that before too, where the Gemini rising can get me into trouble because I think that people assume that I'm very social and I'm probably, I'm probably less introverted than you are, but I do like a good dose of alone time. And, um, and I think that there's this superficiality that, that Gemini can give off, which is definitely not what I'm about Mm -hmm. because I really like to go deep and have deep relationships with people. And, but Gemini is like, what are you about? What are you about? What are you about? You know, Mm -hmm. and does ask all those good questions. Sometimes I can do that. And then I feel myself really pull inward and not want to share a lot, you know, with other people. So um, it's a funny thing. I would agree. I think um, that you just have to be mindful of I think what I always tell people in readings is you're, it's useful to know your rising sign because <clears throat> you can understand what false impressions you might be giving off so that you can withdraw that projection. <laughs> you know, you can mm-hmm. not be so much of that and tap more into your authentic self and your needs and who you actually are. Yeah. So it's just a helpful thing to know. So then we have another tip for understanding yourself and your chart is the nodes. And again, we have a whole episode on the nodes, which I'll put in the show notes. But just an overview here, you know, this is good to know, because even if you don't have your exact birth time, by the way, you can, you can find out where your nodes are, in most cases, unless you're like right on the cusp. Um, so most people can just look up, you know, what year was I born in? And there's a, a nodes table. I think on Cafe Astrology, they have one, you know, of where you can find out your node signs. Um, and so the south node can help you to understand why certain patterns repeat and are hard to move out of, like past life patterns. And the north node sign helps you to know what to move toward in this life, even though it's out of your comfort zone, because it's actually going to help you uh, to grow and also keep you from repeating the same old patterns. So what do you think about like the nodes as far as even just that piece, how knowing about them is helpful for you or people you know? Well, for me, I feel like when when we were talking about doing this episode, I was like, wow, I feel like the nodes have been a huge driver for me. Mm-hmm. So um, I think they're so important. I think, I mean, it's different than knowing your rising sun and moon sign. It Because I feel like the nodes are constantly like a knock on the door. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? They're just sort of like, um, 
I guess it's an area of tension, right? In some ways, because the nodes are in opposition and you're learning how to um, combine those two energies. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I always feel like my south node is a place that can sometimes get me into trouble as well. Yeah. Yeah. Me, like, me too. Like the ascendant. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's the point of like being to able to know ahead of time what might get you into trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so you can plan accordingly and and lean into the other side of it. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. I mean, for me with Virgo South Node and all my, you know, I have a lot of Virgo in my chart. That knowing that it's the shadow side of Virgo that's likely to show up, and that's the thing is that wherever your South Node is the shadow side of that sign is what's most likely to rear its head. And so you have to, you know, bring that to consciousness and be aware of it. Right. For, Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, that's perfectionism, that's uh, self-criticism or criticism of others. uh, You know, the Virgo ugliness that can come out. Um, And so I have to remember to, to lean into the North node, which is Pisces for me, <clears throat> and that's about surrender and letting go, kind of like let go and let God, you know. Uh, yeah. And that's really hard for me, but it's supposed to be because <laughs> your mm-hmm. your North Node sign is by definition going to be what's not coming so easily to you, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think, I, yeah. I picture somebody. I I almost picture like this trampoline thing. Mm-hmm. Where I think with mine, because it's it's like my south node is in Libra and um, there's this peace at all costs sort of thing. And ke- yeah, keeping the peace um, and also not being able to make a decision a lot of the time, like mm-hmm. weighing all the options and that sort of thing that happens. And yep. then my North node is in Aries and it's like, go for it, go for it, go for it. And so I just think like, like there's the trampoline piece to me is like when the Aries pops up, it's like, I really go. And then yeah, if it doesn't stick like right away, I feel a little bit like I've been too vulnerable or something or like, Oh, I better choose again. And Mm -hmm. I pop right back down into that. Um, Libra place. Yeah. So it's a funny. It's a fun seesaw. <laughs> it's a seesaw. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Yep. But we mm. learn like that's where the spiritual growth comes from is working on that polarity, you know, yeah. and understanding <clears throat> the shadow stuff that comes up and then realizing, okay, you know, I've got to go toward what's uncomfortable represented by the North Node in order to move away from that, that old Mm -hmm. pattern. So, okay. So then number five, uh, we have, and this takes a little more understanding of astrology to know this, but if you have a stellium in a sign or a house, and I'm going to unpack what that is. So I define a stellium as three or more planets in a sign or a house, Um, if it's in a sign, you know, let's say for example, I have three things in Virgo, right. And I'm going to say, okay, 
I'm going to do a deep dive into Virgo and really understand that sign. And that's going to help me understand a big part of myself because I have three planets there. Right. Yep. And even though neither my sun nor my moon nor my rising sign is Virgo, I have these three other planets in Virgo that are part of a stellium. And so it's really important for me to understand them. Right. So I'm just using that Mm -hmm. as an example. Um, same thing if if you have three or more planets in a house. And we did a whole episode on houses uh, earlier on in the in the podcast, just laying out, walking through the houses and what they mean. So if you have several planets, three or more in one house, same principle. You know, you can do a deep dive into understanding what that house means, and that that's going to be hugely impactful to really knowing yourself and what the big themes of your life are. Um, So I think like Katie and I, we both have fifth house stelliums, right? Yep. Yeah. So like how has understanding the fifth house helped you in your life? Do you think? You know something I have noticed more and more just in this last two months, Mm -hmm. um, how my fifth house is, um, calling to me. And, uh, I think that it is play. Like I keep going back to this idea about fifth house is like your creations, right. And Mm -hmm. playfulness. It's, it's that, um, Leo's house. Uh, I do feel like I want a more playful, creative life. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that because I have a couple planets in Virgo in that house, yeah, I have leaned more towards that Virgo of life is work, work, work sort mm-hmm. of thing and less into the, what the fifth house really in my soul and heart, you know, what that is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have five planets in that house. Yeah. That's big. Yeah. That's really big. big. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And just noticing, you know, how it's like you can't get away from dealing with the matters of that house. You have to keep attending to it and reinvestigating it, remembering not to ignore it, you know, but you really can't mm-hmm. ignore it, right? If you do, you suffer. I think that's a good point to make that if you t- were to try to repress or not deal with the matters of that house, it you you will suffer. You know, yeah. And your your life will tell you. Like it's that house area, which for the fifth house is play and creativity, is gonna start crying out if you're not doing it enough. Mm-hmm. Because so many of your planets are there. So yeah, there's definitely been a uh crying out. Yeah. <laughs> and I also noticed like I I remember from the um from talking about the nodes like a long time ago when we did the episode on that and and that thing about I could just keep coming back to this instant gratification piece with the fifth house too, you mm-hmm. know? And I do think that that has played a role in my life in kind of a major way where it's hard for me to um, to do, put in the long-term work, you know, and 
And I want the instant gratification. I think I fall into that as a shadow Mm -hmm. piece often if things aren't going quick enough or on the trajectory that I think they should be. You know, it's like, oh, time to start over with the next thing. Um, Is a that's a problem area for me too. You know, in that way. Yeah. No, I totally get that, and I have the same experience. Do you? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. It's, you know, developing the other side of the polarity. I mean, same principle if, um, you know, let's say we're talking about the nodes and polarities that you want to lean into the north node. If you have a stellium in a house, things can, you can go into the shadow of that house too. And then you want to lean into the polarity to balance it sometimes. And the polarity of the fifth house is the 11th house, which is planning for the far future, like thinking in the long term. So as opposed to, you know, minced gratification, right? Yeah. And yeah, that's definitely been a big theme for me as well. So I think for people who are beginners, that's a little bit more of a slightly more advanced topic. But you can at least look at your chart visually if you have a basic understanding of your birth chart and see where is there a lot of stuff (laughs) Mm -hmm. in this Mm -hmm. one. Okay, in this house. Oh, okay. Or in this sign, right? If they all have the same sign symbol, let's say you have three or more in one sign or house, then this is what we're talking about here. So, and then one last thing, kind of a special bonus tip uh, that you brought up, Katie, before we started talking was thinking about major aspects and such as having a big square or an opposition or even a conjunction I'll throw in there. Um, cause I have one of those that seems important. Um, and how that can play a big part in who you are, you know, one of those major aspects. And we had talked about squares and oppositions, uh, episode before last. So I think episode 39. Uh, And I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. But, you know, you were saying, Katie, how that Venus square, uh, square everything, as I call it, (laughs) your chart is a huge defining factor for you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I, I, I think it feels really important to me. And I guess the more I've come to understand that, um, I I think that it's helped, you mm-hmm. know, because um, I do have Venus problems. <laughs> <laughs> I also, you know, I have the stellium. So right. I have the these five planets. Four of them are in a pretty tight conjunction. And then all four of those are squaring my Venus. So I think to me... Like that's a huge part of my chart because, you know, you only have so many planets and I have quite a few of them all sort of conjoined and squaring. Mm -hmm. So there's a big, um, there's a big knock happening there for me, like all the time that I feel like I'm contending with, um, and that can be, you know, it's, there's great stuff in there and there's really hard stuff in there, but it's something, it's, it's, I'm, it's something I'm always working on. Yeah. Constantly. So I, I f- 
feel like to me that is big. And when I look at someone's chart and if I see something like that, I feel like it's definitely worth a mention because it's probably a place where somebody's struggling, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, even with, um, so we, you know, we give a lot of airplay to the hard aspects like squares and oppositions because as we said in that episode, they have friction and tension built into, you know, their definitions. But even with me and my moon Saturn conjunction, which is exact, it's, that's challenging for me at times because especially as the moon in Taurus is supposed to be about relaxing, (laughs) Saturn (laughs) conjunct your moon is not very relaxing because I always feel like I need to have a purpose or need to be doing something meaningful or I need to be doing something valuable. Um, And I have a really strong desire to do important work and meaningful work. And so that sometimes conflicts with, if I just had the moon in Taurus without the Saturn, I'd probably be a lot more chill. But also, as I said to you just, I think a couple of weeks ago, I said, if I didn't have that moon Saturn conjunction, I probably wouldn't get much accomplished. Yeah. You know, it is the thing that drives me to do things and and makes me stick to it. Um, So it's the, the gifts and the curses Mm -hmm. (laughs) of the, Mm -hmm. of those major aspects for sure. And it has been a big defining thing in my life, that moon Saturn conjunction. It's hard to get Saturn to shut up. <laughs> depends, <laughs> you know? depends on where Saturn is in your chart. I think if, <laughs> if you have like a real quiet Saturn that's hanging out there in a corner of your chart, maybe it's not so bad. But uh, if Saturn is very prominent in your chart, then yeah, you're going to notice. <laughs> you're mm-hmm. gonna, it's going to be a theme for you. Yep. So, well, all right. I feel like, you know, that really is a good primer for people to get started on understanding your own chart. And, um, you know, if you don't have a chart, I mean, I I assume that probably most people who listen to this podcast have a basic understanding of astrology enough to have cast their own birth chart online, you know, to have gotten a free chart at some point. If you don't, there are many ways to do that, but I'll, I'll put in a couple of resources for that in the show notes as well. So this will be a very, um, resource-rich episode for you in terms of getting to know your own birth chart. Yeah. I think we've done a podcast about pretty much all of these things, except yeah. for about a stellium. I don't know that we, we've we never done a podcast about yeah. stelliums, but, but you can um, go back in time mm-hmm. and listen to all of our podcasts. That would be nice. About these. Yeah. Listen to all of them, actually. <laughs> Well, and then I guess, yeah. And then one added note that I forgot to mention when we were talking about the sun sign is we just finished the shadow episode series. So if you're new to the podcast, you're coming in at this point and you know your sun sign, you'll want to go back and listen to the the shadow episode on your sun sign. So let's say you're a, a Gemini. You know, back last year we did the Gemini shadow episode and to learn about yourself. You know, you want to go back and listen to that episode. Don't get scared. Um, it's no, it's really, so good. They're it's all so good. so good. They're yeah. good. People are loving them. So, 
yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of resources here within this podcast that you can go back and expand on these areas that we've talked about. Yes. Yes. And get the workbook. Get the workbook. I'll mention it again. It's Foundations of Astrology, a workbook for beginners. I'll put a link in the show notes and it's available on Amazon and there's a digital version available uh, at the page at my website. So I'll put that info in the notes. Sweet. All right. Thank you. So um, thanks for listening. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We're coming back again. We're coming back again with more exciting topics for your enjoyment. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. You can find out more about my readings at dinadecastro.com slash readings. I also offer an astrology mentorship program where I mentor emerging astrologers and anyone who wishes to advance their astrological skills and wisdom. You can find out more about the program and apply at dinadecastro.com slash mentorship. To get more weekly insights, follow me at Spark the Sun on Instagram, or check out my website at katiesloanastrologer.com. Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Google, Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple. And thanks again for listening.